So although this reading is from the day and it's not proper to John Paul, I think it fits perfectly because our Lord is saying you need to interpret the signs of the times. What was it that John Paul II stressed that through this message of mercy and Jesus did to St. Faustina? Now is the time of mercy. But you know, Pope Francis has said recently, well, it was actually a couple years ago, that while the mercy of God is infinite, the time of mercy is not. We basically have a window here. We have a little window. And Jesus told St. Faustina, come to my mercy, basically take advantage of my mercy now, because after that, after the time of mercy, will come the time of justice. And at that point, then it's too late. We need to turn now. This is the sign of the times. And John Paul II is the sign of these times. <clears throat> the second longest serving pope in history after Pius IX in the mid-1800s. No, it wasn't some pope from the third century or second century. It was Pius IX in the 1800s and John Paul in the 1900s. Second longest serving. Now, we call the Pope the servant of the servants of God. John Paul would make it clear that he came to serve, not to be served. And he entrusted his whole papacy to Mother Mary. Todos tuus. This is totally yours. Meaning, she guided him. He was a holy man, a holy man. Nobody doubted this. Even people who don't agree with some of the things that John Paul II did... Everybody agrees he was a man of prayer. You know, he would spend his first hour to an hour and a half in private prayer every morning. He would always say that was the best part of his day. And when visitors would arrive to come to be, to go to mass with him, he was always found in front of, uh, in prayer, kneeling in front in prayer. And some said that at times he would look like he was speaking to somebody invisible. And I always found that interesting because Colonel Jeevich, his secretary, his right-hand man for 40 years, came to our shrine a few years ago. And I was lucky enough to be here. I was lucky enough to meet him. I mean, it's like meeting a saint. And so we met Cardinal Jeevich, who is, again, his secretary for 40 years. And Cardinal Jeevich has told the stories about how and I, I've told this one before, but I think it's fascinating that John Paul II once told him that you are not to disturb me. I'm going into praying. You are to disturb me for no reason whatsoever unless Ronald Reagan is on the telephone. And sure enough, later that day, Ronald Reagan was on the telephone. You know, Ronald Reagan, after they were both shot in Fatima, never made a major world decision, policy decision without consulting John Paul. So Reagan's on the phone and Cardinal Jeevich went into the chapel and he didn't want to disturb John Paul, but that was the order. And he walked in and he said he actually saw John Paul carrying on a conversation with God. Can you imagine? That just boggles your mind how Yes, we all communicate with God. All we, we do have conversations with God. But he said, this was an actual conversation. Fascinating. 
This was what I find just one of the amazing things. Colonel Jeevich said he would pray up to an hour in a trance without moving a millimeter. I do my first hour of every day I do in the chapel. But my gosh, if we now have these smart watches that track your motions and your steps and everything, I'm all over that chapel. I'm leaning with my head's forward. I have my arms folded sometimes. Sometimes I'm leaning backwards. Sometimes I'm on my knees. Sometimes I'm prostrate on the floor. I'm all over the place. Colonel Jeevich said John Paul would, would literally for an hour not move a millimeter. He was in a trance. That's a man of prayer. So prayer was the rhythm of his life centered on the Eucharist. He made time to pray before meals, after meals, prayed his divine office, which we priests are required to pray five times a day. He would pray those throughout the day. At six in the morning, at noon, at six in the evening, he would pray. No matter what he was doing, he would stop and pray the Angelus. He prayed several rosaries every day, went to confession every single week, and never, ever, ever missed daily communion. Each Friday and every day in Lent, he would walk the Stations of the Cross, something we do over at the Marian Helper Center. And during Lent, for the whole 40 days, he would only eat one meal a day. He would also fast on all the days before, the evenings before Our Lady's Feast Days. This is a man of prayer. At the same time, he had all his administrative duties and pastoral duties and it was said that each night before he went to bed, he would open his window to St. Peter's Square. And it would said that he would look out over the whole world and he would make a blessing and give a blessing to all the people and the whole world wishing a good night. He seldom went to bed before midnight. They said he often slept on the bare floor. Witnesses and members of the Vatican staff would report that several times they would find him for hours on the prostrate in front of the marble, on the marble floor before the tabernacle. And he made all his major decisions on his knees before the Blessed Sacrament. In fact, he did all his writing before the Blessed Sacrament. I know Vinnie Flynn is with us and we just talked with him on a, one of our AWTN shows. And one of the things that I admired about Vinnie is he would go out to the sisters, visitation sisters in Tiringham, not far from our shrine. And when he would write, we just did a show on Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. Please tune in, that'll be airing next month. And he would write, I'll do all this writing before the Blessed Sacrament. And John Paul did the same thing. He would write all of his encyclicals, all of them before the Blessed Sacrament. So this man of prayer was also a man of achievement. He also achieved some incredible things. What did he do? Well, I could be up here for an hour talking about what he did, but just to summarize it, he warned of the dangers of atheistic socialism. For all the people who don't want to hear that in our homilies, and from time to time we do bring it up, you might want to read John Paul. This is a man who grew up in atheistic communism, and boy, did he warn against it. So he ignited the collapse of communism along with Ronald Reagan. The official dissolution of the USSR was on December the 8th, 
The feast of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception and Gorbachev didn't even realize it. That was John Paul's hand in that. He focused on true, not false, ecumenism. He engaged Anglicans, Lutherans, Orthodox, Evangelical Protestants in open dialogue. And even though the world, he would say, the world can't pray together. Now, this is interesting. Everybody always says, well, let's pray together, no matter what religion you are. He said, you can't. He said, the world cannot pray together because we don't all believe in the one true God. But he said, people of different faiths can come together to pray. There's a difference. And so when we posted Father Allen's video last week about John Paul and Assisi, we had to actually remove that video because the comments became not just hostile, they became vile. And I feel really bad for Father Allen because Father Allen was never saying that John Paul II kissing the Koran was a good thing. Father Allen never said it was a smart thing. Father Allen just gave what the Pope was trying to do in his intention, which was to bring people together. That's not a vile or hostile thing. And so let us keep that in mind, and I, I mentioned that yesterday. Now, I personally believe, obviously, he should not have kissed the Koran. I think it was something, but remember, the Pope is not infallible on everything he does. If he says it's going to rain and it doesn't rain, that doesn't mean you Catholics are crazy. That proves that your Pope is not infallible. He's only infallible when it comes to speaking on faith and morals in union with the College of Bishops or ex-cathedra from the chair. And that's only happened a few times in history, ex-cathedra from the chair. And so we have to keep that in mind. His opinion on something like immigration or, or, or his what he did in Assisi, that's not official church teaching. So please keep that in mind. Now, here's the thing. He commissioned a whole new release of the catechism. So he took our faith and made it easy to understand, easy to read. You know, so many times we get into apologetic arguments or things with with, with people who don't believe this, or I don't believe in the real presence, or I don't believe you don't need to go to a priest for confession. When you read the catechism, it explains it all so beautifully well that there's nothing that I have found that you can't find in the catechism that addresses an issue of faith. And John Paul II was behind that. Most of all, and this is where I want to finish, John Paul II brought the world an awareness of St. Faustina and divine mercy. This is the reason he said he was made Pope. Amazing. He said the reason he was made Pope was because of divine mercy, and this was his special task before God. That's incredible. At St. Faustina's canonization... He later said, we Marians were there. I, I was not there. I was not a Marian yet. But our Marians from all around the world were there at his canonization. And at a reception afterwards, John Paul II was heard stating, this is April 30th, 2000, where he canonized St. Faustina and declared the Feast of Divine Mercy. He was quoted as saying this, and think of all the great things John Paul II did, all the amazing things, the encyclicals he wrote, the world presence <clears throat> that he brought, the leadership he brought. 
And he said, on the day of St. Faustina's canonization and instituting the Feast of Divine Mercy, he said, this is the happiest day of my life. Think of all the things he said and did. And this was the happiest day of his life? That ought to tell you how important this is. You know, Faustina wrote about what many believe was her own canonization. I'm going to have Brother Stephen at the end of the Mass, when we read every day from the diary, he's going to read paragraph 1044. And in it, St. Faustina has a vision of what many scholars believe was her own canonization. She talks about this big celebration in Rome. And when you read it, and his brother Stephen reads it from 1044 in the diary, you can see where it's, it's her canonization. Now, at the canonization, it was not, from what we understand, in the plans for John Paul II to make any announcement about Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, John Paul all of a sudden was quiet and he made an announcement that from there on out, from this point forward, the Sunday after Easter, the second Sunday of Easter will now be known as Divine Mercy Sunday. And he declared it for the whole world. You know what's fascinating? St. Faustina said in her diary that she saw St. Peter at this feast, this festival, this canonization, which we believe was a canonization. St. Faustina said, I saw St. Peter and he whispered in the Holy Father's ear. She said, I could not hear what he said, but the Holy Father understood it. Okay. If you got Faustina seeing her own canonization and she sees St. Peter whisper in the ear of the Holy Father, and she says, I couldn't hear what it was, but it was clear the Holy Father understood it. And then in real life, you're at St. Faustina's canonization, and John Paul II's there in meditation, and all of a sudden, John Paul II gets up and announces divine mercy. Many believe that St. Peter whispered in his ear, now is the time to declare the feast of divine mercy. Wow. If and I don't see any reason we wouldn't believe that that's true. That's fascinating. And so this is the beauty of our faith. This is the beauty of divine mercy. This is the beauty of why we are all Marian helpers. Because we're part of this mission. You, by simply watching these messages in the mass and the rosaries and the chaplets and the Saturday talks and the Thursday videos and the EWTN shows and sharing them, you're becoming an apostle of divine mercy. This is what was going on. So John Paul II said divine mercy is the most important message of our times. And he basically canonized the message of divine mercy by canonizing St. Faustina and declaring the feast of divine mercy in 2000. He basically canonized this message in devotion. Something that Father Seraphim, God rest his soul, and George Kosicki, and I said, then he's here with us, and all those who worked so hard to bring this message of mercy to the world has now been canonized. Somebody like me is just a simple, lucky recipient. 
Somebody like me, and Father Kaz was one of the, the pioneers too, but all our younger priests and brothers, I'm not young, but all of our other priests and brothers, we're recipients of that, of what those did before us. So to finish, Jesus himself told St. Faustina that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. You wonder why, and I know people always say, Father Chris, Stop yelling and shouting from the pulpit. I can't help it. If we, get, if we get Jesus himself saying that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation, how does it not make us shout from the rooftops? How does it not make us want to jump up and down and say, please listen to this message of St. Faustina. Listen to this message of John Paul. Listen to this message of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. You know, Jesus said Faustina would help prepare the world for his second coming. And that was 90 years ago. As I always say, there's no way if Jesus came tonight that any one of us could say, why didn't you give us a warning? <laughs> why didn't you tell us, Jesus? Jesus told her that a spark would come from Poland to prepare the world for his final coming. Many of us Marians believe that that spark... St. Faustina, Divine Mercy, and John Paul II. You know, one more story about what Cardinal Jeevich told us about John Paul, and that was the day he died. Cardinal Jeevich, when he was here a few years ago, told the story that was quite amazing. And John Paul, the, the, the day before Divine Mercy Sunday on, in uh, uh, 2005, John Paul was getting weaker and weaker, and it was the day before, the vigil, Saturday, and John Paul had already went to confession that morning, but he was getting weaker and weaker, and he had already been to Mass um, that morning for Saturday Mass, not, not Sunday Mass now. And he wasn't going to go to Mass again until the next day, which was actually Divine Mercy Sunday, and he had his homily actually written. And Cardinal Jeevich said that <clears throat> later in the day, after 5 p.m., which now you can celebrate the Mass for the next day, right, in our Catholic faith, that John Paul was getting weaker and weaker, and Cardinal Jeevich said that he got this inspiration to celebrate Mass with John Paul privately for Divine Mercy Sunday. But he ignored it. This is like 5.30 Second time, he got an inspiration to celebrate Mass with John Paul. Like around six or seven, and again, he ignored it. And then a third time, he got an inspiration. By now, it's like 8 o'clock, 8.30 at night. Can you imagine? John Paul's getting weaker and weaker. It's private. It's just the two of them. No big Mass, no St. Peter's Square just an ailing John Paul alone with Cardinal Jeevich in the Vatican apartments. And finally, this time, he listened. Can you imagine a cardinal rummaging through the sacristy, getting chasuble and, and, and for the altar, the corporal and the purificator and the cruets and the ciborium and the chalice and the wine, and he's getting everything together. And they celebrated Mass and John Paul received Holy Communion. And according to Father Kaz, he died one half hour later. 
If that isn't an, a tremendous amount of grace that God gave a guy that spent his life spreading this message of divine mercy, and if this isn't a grace of God saying, all you have done, I'm going to give you this grace. And what is the grace of divine mercy Sunday? 699 in the diary, the soul that has been to confession and the soul that receives holy communion on this day will receive not only the complete forgiveness of sin, but all punishment. In other words, your soul is completely cleansed. As Father Seraphim used to say, your soul will never be cleaner other than it is at the moment of your original baptism than it is on Divine Mercy Sunday. In other words, John Paul was just given a spiritual bath like no other than his original baptism. And he died, Father Kaz said, 25 minutes later. That is mind-boggling. That is the grace of God. That is John Paul. And so we have in here so much. He died when it was Divine Mercy Sunday in many places of the world, in the Philippines. It was Divine Mercy Sunday when John Paul died. He passed away and God rewarded him with this super abundant grace. You know, the church doesn't declare saints. God does. The church only recognizes them. And if there's one saint that we can recognize, and we do today, as the pioneer of mercy and an important part of God's plan for his second coming, we have it right here today. John Paul II, pray for us. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Dot org. Thank you, and God bless you.